Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the marriage supper of the Lamb as we pick up in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now as the Lord closes out His revelation to man, and as He begins to talk to us about the glories of, of this coming age, the marriage supper of the Lamb, blessed are those that are called to be a part in this. These are the true sayings of God. You can believe this. You can trust in this. And I fell at His feet to worship Him, and He said unto me, See that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Now, John is like so many people. We want to worship the instrument that God uses to bring his knowledge or love or grace to us. One of the great dangers of being in any kind of ministry where God is using you, one of the great dangers of exercising any spiritual gift is that people so often look at the instrument that God uses. They begin to admire the instrument. They begin to worship, in a sense, the instrument that God has used. And here is John falling on his knees before the angel that is giving him all of this revelation and it's so overawed and thrilled with what is in store for him. He falls at his feet to worship. He says, hey, hey, man, don't do that. I'm just like you. I'm a fellow servant. Worship God. You see, it is a part of man to need and want to worship something. And man seems to find it easier to worship an object that he can see rather than an object that he cannot see. And so this is the hang-up of man, as Paul said in Romans 1. They worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator. Man gets hung up. He stops short. He sees the glorious creation of God, and he worships the creation rather than the Creator. And so as John is making the same mistake, the angel corrects him and said, hey, hey, don't do that. I'm just a fellow servant with you. I, I, I just am a servant of God, just like you are. You worship God. And if you're wise and are involved in any kind of ministry at all, when attention and adulation and these kind of things begin to come your way, you'll be wise as the angels say, hey, hey, don't worship me. Worship God. God does not want you taking credit for the work that he does, receiving glory for his work. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That is, prophecy centers around the person of Jesus Christ. That's what prophecy is about. That's what history is about. History is actually his story. He's the center of it. It all focuses before Christ and uh, after the year of our Lord. But he is the center, the focal point of history. It is his story. So prophecy. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's all centered around him. 
the Lord's not so interested in telling you, you know, who you're going to marry or uh, what's going to happen to you next week. The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The prophecy centers around the person of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the witness of Jesus. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. We find that Jesus is called the Faithful Witness, and he's called the True Witness, and then he's called the True and Faithful Witness in the third chapter of Revelation. And so here he is sitting upon the white horse. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Again, the righteousness of his judgment attested to. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Again, speaking of that burning judgment. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was light, and that light was the life of man. And the Word became flesh. And he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And now again he comes as the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. I'll be a part of that army, as will you. Because we're clothed still in the fine linen, white and clean, which is the righteousness of the saints. And out of his mouth there goes a sharp sword. The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Out of his mouth goes this sharp sword, his word, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, this vesture dipped in blood is probably a reference to Isaiah 63. It is not his own blood, but the blood of his enemies that he tramples as he tramples out the rebellious. Isaiah 63, Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. And that is the question the prophet answers Jesus, asked, the, Jesus answers, I that speak in righteousness mighty to save. The prophet asks, why are you red in your apparel and your garments like those that have been treading in the wine fat? 
Uh, it used to be, of course, that they would put the grapes in the, in the vat and then they would all, you know, they'd crush them with their feet. They'd have a big dance and a big party and they'd crush all of the grapes to get the juice out of them. And, of course, you can imagine the, the grape juice stains all over your clothes after having spent a day treading the, the wine fat there in the wine vat, actually, and, and with your feet pressing down all these grapes, you can imagine what your clothes would look like. Why are you red in your apparel and your garments like the ones that have been treading in the wine vat? He answers, I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. So he's coming to bring an end of man's rebellion. He's coming to trample the wine vat. There will be here upon the earth millions of people who have gathered together to war against him at his coming. That whole Middle East area of, of Israel, all the way through the land from the valley of Megiddo, clear on down to Edom, crowded with the vast armies of the world, probably numbering into the hundreds of millions. There is a scripture that would indicate maybe 200 million. And that is when the blood will flow to the horse's bridle all the way through the valley of Megiddo, clear on down to Edom, through the valley of Jehoshaphat, as they gather together against the Lord and his anointed. And there will second psalm come into play. Why do the heathen rage? The people imagine a vain thing, for they have gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break his bands. Asunder. Let's cast off his law from us. But he that sits in the heaven will laugh, for he will have the nations in derision. And so here we see him clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. Out of his mouth goes the sharp sword by which these rebellious armies are destroyed. That is, he destroys them with his word. Now we are told that he was in the beginning with God and that he created all things. We look at the vast universe in which we live, the material universe, and we realize that he created it. How did he create it? He spoke it into existence. It's known as divine fiat in the theological term, which means that capacity of speaking things into existence. So darkness covered the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. He just said it. Let there be light. And light existed. And, and in the Hebrew, it's a little even more intensive. Yahior wa yahior. Light be and light was. God said, light be and light was. <laughs> I like that. 
God speaking into existence the world in which we live. And God said, let the waters above the firmament be separated from the waters below the firmament. And it was so. And God said, let the water bring forth and let the earth bring forth. And it was so. He spoke these things into existence. The power of the Word of God. Oh, if we only realize the power. The Word of God is alive and powerful. And if we only realize the power of the Word of God, we will in that day when He returns and all of the vast military might of the world gathered and assembled together to destroy him at his coming, and he just speaks the word, and it's all over. The battle is through. Oh, the power of the word of Jesus, the sword that goes forth out of his mouth. He destroys the assembled rebels who have gathered together against him. I don't know exactly what he'll say. It'll be interesting to find out. But it, uh, <laughs> I think that it might be just, hey, you've had it, you know. <laughs> like uh, the, when this guy was breaking up with his girl, he said, can I have one final kiss? And she said, you've had it. You're a little slow tonight. <laughs> on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. Now, hey, you can't do that unless you're an angel. Yeah, I, I, these angels are going to be interesting creatures to meet, aren't they? I mean, they have the capacity of standing in the sun. What is it, 750 million degrees Fahrenheit or something like that, you know? And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. Now, we have just been rejoicing because we're coming to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be another supper. Supper prepared by God for all the birds. That you may eat the flesh of kings, of captains, mighty men, horses, and those that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, that is the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth, which have been drawn by the demonic forces, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. The folly of Satan thinking that he would be able to fight against God. Well, the folly of man today who think that they are able to fight against God and to come out victors. There are a lot of people today fighting against God. There are those who have set themselves deliberately and consciously to fight against God. The humanists, in their humanist manifesto, have declared their intention of destroying God out of the minds and consciousness of men. To free men from the restraints that they may feel that have any kind of a biblical base so that you will not be feeling guilty over those things that are prohibited in the Scriptures, but you can go ahead and do these things without pangs of conscience, trying to destroy God out of our society, out of our lives. They'll be gathered together at the inspiration of Satan, 
And the Antichrist, the beast, was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought the miracles before him, with which he had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and those that worshipped his image. These both, the two of them, the Antichrist and his false prophet, were cast alive into a lake of burning, fire burning with brimstone, or otherwise called in the scriptures Gehenna, which is the final abode for the unrighteous dead. It is the place, Jesus said, that God prepared for Satan and his angels. And so the first two inhabitants of Gehenna will be the beast or the Antichrist and his prophet, and they will be the sole inhabitants, it would seem, for a thousand years. After a thousand years, then they will be joined by Satan and the rest of the satanic beings or the angelic beings that joined with Satan in his rebellion against God and then those men who have chosen to cast their lot with Satan in rebellion against God. Jesus describes it as a place of outer darkness where he said there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hell or Hades is located in the center part of the earth. The abyss is probably right in the very center of the earth because it's called, and correctly translated, bottomless pit. And there's probably an area right in the center of the earth that is hollow, and because of the rotation of the earth and gravitation all, you'd be constantly falling. You'd, you'd never hit. There'd be a constant falling. It wouldn't have to be more than 10 miles in diameter to hold all of the unrighteous from Adam till now. And of course, all of our finest scientific equipment could not locate such a thing there in the heart of the earth. The remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. What is the sword? The word that goes forth out of his mouth. Which sword proceeds out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So vultures invited from all over the earth to come and to feast at the supper that God prepares. I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now, earlier, under the fifth trumpet, there was a fallen angel that had the key to the bottomless pit, the abuso, and he opened it and released upon the earth a horde of demonic beings. Now, the angel comes with the key, and the purpose is not of releasing those in the abuso, but of incarcerating now in the abuso. And so he had a key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. And so Satan is not put into Gehenna, but he is put into the Abuso with a thousand years. Later he will be put into Gehenna. But at this point, chained and put into the abuso.
The various names for Satan, dragon, serpent, that is the one who came to Eve in the garden in the form of a serpent, devil. And the word devil means slanderer or accuser. And Satan, which word means the adversary. And so he is cast into the abuso and he is shut up and they set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed for a little season. Satan at the present time is in control of the world system. Paul the Apostle said that at one time you all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air that even now is working in the children of disobedience among whom you all once had your manner of living. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 19 through 20 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, bless you, and may you begin to see fruit from the seed that has been sown in your heart. As God begins to take the word and use it just as a life-changing power, may the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly by faith, and may the Lord touch your life with his touch of love strength in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As we look back over the roadmap of our lives, we often see the value of troubled times, personal trials, and even the experiences of pain or the death of a loved one. These are the building blocks that establish God's plan for us. It is with great honor that I'm pleased to introduce Pastor Chuck Smith's autobiography entitled A Memoir of Grace. 
you're invited to pull up a chair and listen as Pastor Chuck shares his personal story of how God's grace prepared him for life's purposes. Perhaps as you're reading this story, you'll be prompted to evaluate your own past, your present situation, and that which is yet to happen, and realize that it all plays a part in establishing God's plan for you. See God's grace at work in your own life when you order a personal copy of A Memoir of Grace by Pastor Chuck. God called me into the ministry and how God has just led us step by step. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD.